0: gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Awesome to have you here for episode 97, where I sit down with Rebecca Habershaw, who is the founder and CEO of Learning Lab 360, located right near me here in the Raleigh-Durham area of North Carolina. And love what she's doing. She's actually bringing the best educational VR experience to students, going to schools and having birthday parties and all that. Um, and really neat, the idea and how it originated um, for being a teacher for 20 years and then transitioning out to starting her own business. So it's something we can all learn from. I know everyone out there has different ideas or things that they're passionate about and maybe do want to make a different impact on the world. Um, Rebecca's a great story to kind of say, hey, you know what? Why can't I do it as well? So I think you guys can take a lot of great lessons that she's learned throughout her journey um, and certainly appreciate her uh, coming on and sharing it with everyone. So, let's jump right into it. Without further ado, my chat today with Rebecca Habershaw. Let's get it started. Rebecca, welcome to the podcast. Uh, pleasure to have you today.
1: Well, thank you so much. I'm excited to be on this. This is uh, only my second podcast in my life.
0: <laughs> That's right. I'll try not to throw any curveballs at you, so we'll okay, make it, we'll great, make it great. fun. Well, you know I'm always excited. Um obviously, I know your husband and and we have worked together before, and i'm I'm excited about what you guys are doing with um, the Learning Lab, and I want to get into that a little bit. I'm always curious though, and this could help I think a lot of folks listening in, is to take maybe a step back, because not many folks take the leap of faith to start their own business. right? You were How many years were you a teacher?
1: 20 years.
0: Okay, so you go 20 years, and, and most folks just ride that out and say, hey, I love teaching, I'm just going to do that. Um, yeah. Did you always want to when growing up? Like when someone asked you, "Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up, Rebecca?" Did you want to be a teacher, or is that something that came after the fact, maybe after college or something?
1: Oh yeah, that was after I started college. Um, It came about because when I started college, there were a couple different um, different subject areas you could pick, and the one that had the most options because I was so undecided was the college of education. So I could choose to study history or language arts or um, business because I could teach any of those so I decided to to do the college of education which kind of pigeonholed me into that education field so I decided from there okay I'm going to be a teacher now (laughs) Um, and that's that's basically um, how I began teaching uh, after that
0: (laughs) why did you choose middle school because I think that's what your main kind of range was right the middle school kids
1: Yeah, my uh, certification was for grades six through 12. And I always had a little bit of a soft spot for middle school students because uh, the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, they're a little bit awkward. um, And I like that emotional journey that they're going through. Uh, It's a bit of a hormonal journey as well. Middle school was uh, probably everyone's most awkward age. It was my most awkward age. And uh, I really did. Uh, feel like I had something in common with them they're still a little bit more afraid of their parents so I could always use that as a way to motivate them to learn and behave Um, but I feel like I could go through um, go through different um, rapport techniques and get through to them and build a rapport with them Uh, they say it takes someone special to work with those uh, those types of kids and and, uh, I've learned that over the years with my coworkers, we're all, we're all a certain type of people that work with middle school students.
0: <laughs> where, where do you think that came from? Was that part of your upbringing? Like, where, where did you learn that maybe that, because it's I definitely, cause I used to teach golf a lot and I used to work a lot with juniors and some of the other stuff I'm doing now. It's like, it's kind of that giving mentality. Like you have to yeah. take a step back from yourself because it is about the kids, right? And you're yeah. trying to help them and they are all different. Um, as we know. So yeah, what was it about? Was it something upbringing? Maybe it was, you know, some mentors you had growing up and guided you in that way or? Well,
1: oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I do believe all teachers have that ingrained in them in some way. Um, growing up, I was the middle child and I was that one that, you know, wanted to please. Uh, so maybe people pleasers are teachers. Um, I, I guess you have to have a sense of humor to be a teacher in, in, in a lot of ways, and so that helped a lot, <laughs> having a sense of humor when you're teaching, um, so, so there's that.
0: <laughs> well, that's good, that, maybe that's why, too, I was a middle child as well, we could have a whole podcast on a middle being middle, middle children, children. <laughs> I'm sure, we won't bore anyone with that now, because they don't probably want to hear it, but uh, <laughs> the, um, well, that's so cool, so yeah, obviously, you know, so you had this knack to want to teach and, and get into that, what was it like, like when you got into teaching, was there any, I'm always curious the challenges the first year or two teaching that you went through. Cause I know the, what I had went through uh, again from golf different, obviously, but mm. what, what were some of the things like you didn't even expect going into teaching that were like, Oh my God, what did I get myself into?
1: Oh yeah. I thought that the students would, um, you know, just listen to me and do what I told them to do. Um, and it would be just like that teaching book that they gave us all to read. And uh, that was not the case. (laughs) Um, they would challenge me right off the bat. Um, in fact, I came in the middle of the school year and they had just had a teacher who left, um, in the middle of the school year. And I realized, you know, when I came in that there were, you know, there were problems that she had left there. And, um, so yeah, it was difficult, very difficult coming in. In fact, I decided Right then and there, I'm just going to stay in the job long enough to make back in gross salary what I got into debt getting into this career (laughs) through college bills, (laughs) and then I'm out of here. But I never thought I would go into business. I didn't think that was going to be an option. I was thinking some other kind of job. But but definitely, it was difficult, and I spent many hours at night grading and trying to figure out and problem solve. There's a lot of problem solving. You know, how do I get this kid to behave? And then at the same time, get this kid to behave and get everyone to be working um, and this one to learn and this one to, you know, want to, you know, pay more attention and not go to sleep in class. Uh, it was a lot of different things going on at the same time. You had to multitask.
0: Sounds like um, delegating employees. That's what that's right.
1: Yes, it's a lot of management. That's a good funny experience. I tell those Business management. Today, uh, my, my father and I talk a lot about the business. Um, and we have, you know, the last 10 years talked about how teaching compares to business management. Mm -hmm. It's very similar.
0: So you obviously did that for 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. Um, when, so tell me the idea of when this, so this idea, and if this, if this wasn't the first one, you might've had other ideas, right? When did that idea of like starting a business or maybe branching out and doing something on your own, when did that idea originate? Was that very closely to when you started this or was that years before?
1: I may have thought from time to time about doing something different, especially when teaching got frustrating. But at the time that I had this idea in particular, I had decided I was going to just, like you said, ride it out. I'm just going to stay in teaching because I had found a really good school and really great teammates. Um, and I really enjoyed the job. Um So I wasn't going to go anywhere and then uh, it was the technology that found me. Uh, I wasn't really that tech oriented but I met someone um, and Chris is my husband now and he is a software developer and you know for what you know I lack he fits the missing puzzle pieces And so he has all the latest tech gadgets and knows everything about computers and internet. And so when I met him, I didn't have Wi-Fi. (laughs) And so he was able to um, show me this VR in a way that I had never really understood it before. I had understood about, okay, you put your phone in, you can see something cool. You look around and, and you see a still picture. So when he said, you need to try this Oculus, I said, okay, I'm sure it's, you say everything is cool he said no we really need to try it it's really cool I said okay I'll try it and then you know I tried it like after a month of him telling me how cool this was and when I finally put on my head I said this is so cool he's like I know I've been telling you how cool it is and I said no you don't understand how cool it is and so I I told him I said "I'm, I'm sitting on a camel it's video I'm looking around I see the pyramids in Egypt And there are people standing all around me talking, and I said, my students in social studies, I'm language arts, my teacher in social studies is teaching them about ancient civilizations and architecture that the ancients built. Uh And this is like directly related Uh to what they're doing right now. I wanna put all of my students, and I have like 139 of them through this right now. How can we get this into my classroom? (laughs) Can we drag your computer in and put them in it one at a time? Um, so it basically started there. I decided that this is a cool enough technology that I wanted my students to see it. And that is what's been driving me ever since then.
0: So did you start that way then kind of really small, bring it into your class, let them try it a little bit, kind of get some feedback, seeing how they like it. Was that the first step for you then?
1: It actually was. I didn't bring it in to show them the pyramids. I I've been talking to my fellow teachers about it. And they said, yeah, it's cool. They talked about different things that they may or may not have tried, but we didn't have any virtual reality or school. Um, I looked online to see what was available for programs that you know the students could try and what different VR headsets were available, whether they needed computers or not. I did a lot of research. And what um, we figured out was that There were also projects that the students could do. And so one of the things that I thought was really neat was taking a camera, a 360 camera, and taking a picture inside of a student's project. Um, This was really neat, and Chris had figured this out because I I like dollhouses. You can see one in the background. Um, I just like miniatures. And I put the camera, well, he put the camera inside one of my dollhouse rooms. And when you put the headset on after downloading the picture, you are inside the dollhouse room and everything seems big. So I got the idea to have the students do like I usually do a project, but this time it was a box and on all the walls, they had done a different scene from the book that they were reading. So it was, you know, one scene with one kind of mood, like a happy mood. One scene was another type of mood. And they put the definition of mood and, you know, what they were doing in the title of the book on another. And on the floor, I wanted them to set the mood still with some texture. And then when they put the camera, I brought in the camera, put the camera in the box. You know, they were able to take the picture. And then I downloaded it for him. And I put the headset on because I brought, I dragged his computer in. And this was just a small group of students. It was an elective class. So they all tried it on and they said, oh, my gosh, this is so neat. I can see, you know, my project like I'm inside the box. And if I had known I was going to do this, I would have done a lot better job. <laughs> they said I can see where I didn't cut straight, or I would have done some 3D pop outs. I would have had the floor like more furry. I would have brought in some like fur to put in the bottom, or something like that. Um, and the boys in the class um, that are kind of, you know, I don't like to do projects. They said, well, if we do the project, can we put the headset on? So it was very motivating for them. And still, I wanted them to try all the experiences. So I wrote a grant to get the um, Oculus Rift in. And I could only afford three with the grant that I was writing. It was a $5,000 grant through CenturyLink. And so I thought, at least we could keep it in the library. And then the kids could do like a station with their classroom teacher. Um, but when my county found out I won it, and I won this um, $5,000 grant, they told me that three oculus rift seems a little bit too much. Um, it, wasn't, it, it was something that you know not a lot of kids would get benefit from. You should get a class set of um, Google a uh, Google kit, and that would be better use of the money. And I, I tried showing them. I demoed it to them. I even talked about, by then, I decided to do this truck. And must start my own business, and um, and so it was disappointing because you can't do a project with with the Google Kit, you can't download pictures to it um, and let them see their own projects, and that was a big part of the grant because um, we were by that time taking pictures inside biomes, you know, with a bearded dragon, and then you could feel like you're a bug inside the bearded dragon tank. Um, but anyway, um, so we ended up getting a Google Kit for that classroom um, and for that school. And that was really great. But then shortly that year after I left and I started my own business and I have been bringing this big, huge trailer, um, uh, mm-hmm. with 14 stations of Oculus Rift all over the place.
0: You know, you made a great point there. I, I want to make sure we don't gloss over because, you know, and, and this is, I've, I've experienced this and you may have, and well, obviously you did. And then other folks as well listening might have is, you know, there's other people out there that aren't going to believe in what you believe in, and they may not think it's a good idea at all. It doesn't mean that it's not a good idea, right? right. You know, 99 of people might be like, "This is the dumbest idea ever." It might end up being unbelievable. So, I think that's a great point: is that just because the folks at the school didn't agree with it, the county didn't agree with it, you still right. believed in it and said, "Hey, I'm going forward with this mission." I, I, because I, because, and I think the difference is you actually saw it firsthand what these kids were doing and how their re, right. how their emotional state was. It wasn't just a oh, it's this much dollars. Well, we got to you know, make it work for 30 kids versus five. I think you saw the, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel, if you will. So, which is right. pretty cool. So, we, so you said, was it about a year then after maybe that conversation was when you left and started your business? Probably,
1: uh, maybe six months, uh, okay. less than six months, probably.
0: So explain to me how those conversations, were you and Chris married by then?
1: No, uh, but we were together. <laughs>
0: okay, so yeah. how maybe. did those conversations go? Like, hey, I'm going to leave. You know, hey, maybe see a future. I'm going to leave my job. Like, I'm going to start this. Like, I'm curious because that's a big hurdle for a lot of folks to take. You know, you have a secure yeah. job. You're getting, you know, you're you're working for the. I'm assuming the state, right? Yeah. So you have you have this kind of safe job, if you will, of teaching. Yeah. You said you liked it. So, how do you take that leap of faith? What? What? Tell me about those conversations that you had yeah. internally, and then you had with, you know, maybe family and friends.
1: Yeah, and it's it's still hurdles because um, I never had business training, and I never thought that I would do a different, completely different career. And um, the comfort thing for me is still teaching. And I, when I take it places, I am still a teacher. When I uh, go to schools, I'm I'm a you know the VR lady who takes it and teaches the students how to do VR. But um, I have learned that everyone still has a lot to learn. Even if you feel like you know everything there is to know about teaching, over 20 years, I learned there's still more to learn. If you're in business, I've learned that there's a lot of people out there that may still be making mistakes in business. There's still more to learn, and business and teaching change over time. So at the time I was leaving, it was a little scary jumping out and and saying, okay, um, I'm going to make a different salary. I don't have health insurance, (laughs) what's going to happen. Um, but I did have just tremendous support from my family and I had tremendous support from Chris and, um, previously he had switched jobs when we first started dating. I encouraged him to do it. And I said, you know, you need to do what makes you happy and what you feel compelled to do. And I just felt like I could see this making a big impact for many students, not just my own students. And that was the big thing for me, whenever I took it out, I just got overwhelming um, overwhelming support and confirmation that it was a good thing. Not just from the teachers that were saying, this is really cool. You should go on Shark Tank (laughs) or um, my students that I saw that don't even know me. And they're saying, thank you. And they're hugging me or the older kids just say, this is sick. When are you going to be back with this? You coming back next year? Or some of the little kids are saying, you know, can you come to my birthday party? Um, They're just every time I go out, it's a big deal to the kids, the community. And I feel like it's made an impact. And I know that there's people out there with business ideas. They don't even get that kind of great feedback along the way. And that is what has just pushed me along, even through times -hmm. when I felt like, oh, yikes. Um, I don't know if we're going to make the kind of revenue I thought I was going to make this month. Um, what's happened? Um, you know, what, am I not advertising enough? I don't know how to sales and market, or we don't have budget to sales and market. Um, you know, I, I don't always know exactly the right thing to do, but that's the thing. You just have to, you know, be like a chameleon. You just change and keep trying something new until it works. My father likes to say, keep throwing spaghetti at the wall until something sticks <laughs>
0: There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, so how did you get started then with it? Cause you have a trailer. There's right. obviously business expenses to buy the Oculus and some other stuff. Right. What was the path you took? Did you, I mean, as much as you can divulge it, was it, was it your personal finances? Did you get a loan? Self-funded
1: did you? loans.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, we did take out a loan and my, my father did put in some money toward that along the way. When we first got started, Uh, If we weren't making enough money, I did take some hit salary wise just to, you know, push it along. Um, I may have had to take a part time job here and there just to, you know, make make ends meet. Um, I did whatever I had to do to keep it going. Um, And now I feel like we're really reaping those rewards and getting it going and keeping it going because. Now, the state level is seeing the benefits of it. County levels are seeing the benefit of it. It just took a matter of time. I think that with sales and marketing, like I said, things change. It used to be you could send flyers out or post signs up places, um, or you could phone call, cold call people. But in the teaching world, nobody answers the phone. Nobody answers back messages, especially sales calls and people they may look at a flyer for two seconds if you're lucky. Um, A lot of school districts um, they don't even hand out flyers unless you're like an approved vendor. So that would be a big waste of money in my opinion. The best thing is word of mouth social media and when you take it out for a demo if I'm at a school and the teachers get excited about what they see they actually go and pull other teachers and their principals out or next door schools or they tell other schools in the district and they have you know, a big conversation about, "Hey, this is a cool thing. You need to get your students to try this," and that for me is a really big bonus.
0: Yeah, and you know, a double hit. <laughs> well, yeah, that, and you're right. I mean, being able that word of mouth, I think that's what makes it sticky, if you will. People are talking about it, and and you're having you're reaping that benefit, I guess, from
1: There's each event that you go to. And they also are snapping pictures of it because it's a community event, and their mm-hmm. parents um, at their school they want to know what cool thing they brought to their school. So they're snapping pictures of the kids inside enjoying it. Well, guess what we did today? And so then the parents in the community see it and other schools see it because it's been tweeted out.
0: And how did you come I mean, from a business plan standpoint in terms of going to schools and doing these events? I think you do birthday parties as well. Yep. How did you decide on, on the business plan, like how you want to structure from a revenue standpoint? Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, that was a, a lot of conversation that happened amongst us. Um, because early on, we didn't see a lot of revenue from schools. It took a while to, to kind of break into that. Schools are leery of new things and new vendors. Um, and so early on, we did do um, festivals um, in the community, um, international festivals and birthday parties. And we're thinking, like, should we go that route? Or, and uh, community centers. We also do community center camps, like summer camps, and then eventually work, you know, toward the schools. Um, but I saw a real big opportunity if we just continued at it to to really, first of all, that was what I wanted to do was teach with the VR. And the kids are in school, they they need to get that lesson in how the tech works and get an experience of going through space while they're learning about space. And I didn't want just the kids who are at a random Apollo 11 50th anniversary festival in downtown to get that experience. I want all students to have that experience, no matter what their background, what their location. And so if you can get it while they're in school, you get to hit a lot of students. And also even homeschool kids, private schools. It can go anywhere. and that to me is why we wanted to do this. We started to make it an equitable thing for everyone. It's an expensive piece of equipment. It's easily broken. A lot of teachers don't know how to use it. And if we can bring it to the school and make it so easy, all the teacher has to do is bring their kids out to it and they don't have to worry about a thing. And we can tell them what's the best thing for their curriculum that fits their curriculum and how long it is and what exactly the kids will be doing. And it's only $5 a student or less. I can even do less if it's, you know, something they want to do for a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't get easier than that. There's no reason they can't have so many kids just so, so give shoes, me an idea. Give,
0: give me a, a, a experience in the life, if you will. So I'm a, I'm a middle school kid. I come into the trailer I put on the Oculus. What, what what are you going through? How does it set up? Like, what's the experience in terms of time? Give me a little background of that, just because I'm naive of, of, yeah, of, of sure. that specifically. Well, Although it sounds cool. I'd love to do it for adults. So Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> uh, the first thing is uh, you would be walked out of your building, which is awesome because you're getting out of your classroom. And then you get to walk out to um, right outside the school is parked this big 35 by 10 foot trailer. And you don't know what's inside. So you're anticipating that. And then, when the door opens, you go inside and you see all these gaming computers, 14 of them, without those headsets. You go, is this going to be VR? This is going to be awesome. And so, you go in, I tell you to stand by a computer, uh, usually, um, and don't touch anything yet. And then, for just a few minutes, I explain not to touch, uh, the, not to hang on the poles, because uh, there's poles for stability. And sometimes the kids like to hang on them, <laughs> because you're a middle school student, right? So I tell you that and not to walk around with the headsets on. Um, and so then I instructed you about putting the headsets on. If you need help, raise your hand and I'll help you tighten it. And then after that, you put it on and I may have told you about the remote control, but typically after that, you're experiencing whatever it is for about anywhere from 20 to 25 minutes. Um, and it depends because um, school's have you for the day and they could schedule it shorter or longer to get more or less kids in or more time for the kids. And they can do anything from seeing China going into space, seeing the White House. Um, They could be um, looking at the Titanic, ancient Rome, as it was back in the day. Um, They could um, see the Acropolis. Um, We even do custom ones, where I've actually um, gone to the Museum of Art in Raleigh. And I've interviewed the curator of the Ancient Greek Art Collection and asked specific questions that I know my sixth grade students were learning about. So I asked her, how are Greek ideas spread through the art? And so it's directly tied to the curriculum. All of these are specific to that. Um, I even interviewed Rick Riordan when he came to Raleigh as well. And there's a 15-minute interview where you can hear all these questions about the lightning thief Um, And that's something that all the sixth graders in our county, uh, Wake County, the biggest county in North Carolina, they all read The the Lightning Thief. And so it's like a great way to meet the author and talk about, he talks about reading and writing Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. inspires kids because he had um, reading and writing trouble and his son did as well. And he wrote the book for his son to get his son motivated about, you know, a character that he would like and Greek writing, Greek myths
0: yeah so i'm interested like these so like let's say you take the titanic my son loves a titanic i don't know why but he does he's he's almost eight um how is that developed is that like is there a company that develops those experiences and then you guys look, kind of license those out or you mentioned you create some of these yourself how does that work
1: yeah we can either purchase them or we actually for for those we contacted the developer he lives in paris And he has several of them, and he gave them to us because a lot of people know that we go to many schools in North Carolina. I've been to several counties all across North Carolina from mountains to the beach, and they have um, been wanting to get their curriculum. It's educational curriculum. They want to get their curriculum in front of schools. And so this is a great venue to get it in front of many schools. And the hope is that, you know, perhaps these schools will, when they buy their VR equipment, they can purchase it as well. Um, Because a lot of schools are now starting to purchase a lot of VR.
0: So I want to go back to the business for a second. So I'm going to have you some self-reflection here. What you said, you didn't know much about getting, when you got into business, what's been the biggest whiff, if you will, the biggest, like, Oh my God, I can't believe I did that type moment.
1: Oh, that's a hard question. Um, Okay, um, one of the biggest ones early on is when advertising um, people come to you and advertising comes in all different ways and you don't realize it because people reach out to you and email and you think, and you know in some level they are trying to help you with your business and they want you to grow. But on some level, it kind of all comes down to marketing dollars and also, dollars that they're taking away from you. <laughs> and so, for example, um, you know, when people ask you, "Can you come to this festival or can you come to this um conference?" And it's a conference you don't really need to attend, but they're telling you, "Oh, come to this conference." And you pay like money to go to it and you didn't really need to attend to it, but it's it's something it's like marketing dollars. Like they they're they're convincing you you need to go to it and they're just trying to get extra money for people to attend this conference. That's that's the kind of thing. Early on, um, I had an email come to me about um um uh, getting on advertising and I won't mention the one, but it was advertising on um an ad on the internet and I forgot to cancel it after the free first month and then it came out the next month and the next month and the next month. And it was like a couple hundred dollars every month. And as a startup, you need to watch every penny and that money could have gone towards something else. So that was like Oh, what did I do? <laughs> I, I really should have called and canceled after the first one because we didn't really get any any extra hits from that that extra advertising on the internet.
0: Do you find it's helpful because you're main mainly local here in you know Wake County or in some obviously surrounding counties that are around the state? Has that been helpful at least to condensed from a marketing standpoint um, and reach where you don't have to go nationwide at this point?
1: Yeah, I think it's good to focus uh, in North Carolina right now, um, because it is, although it's mobile, it it does cost us to go very far out. The farther out exponentially, the distance cost and the time that it takes us to get there is going to be a factor. Um, But it's not out of the question. Definitely not out of the question. Uh, We've been contacting other states as well that have had interest. Mm -hmm. And we also have the custom VR programming side, and that's gonna be just as big as driving the lab out to schools, is programming for schools. If they have some content that they wanna teach using VR, we can get it done.
0: Well, so that's what I was gonna ask, what's kind of the next phase? Are you, are you gonna to scale to more trailers? It's going to, so you guys are developing your own uh, VR custom curriculum then?
1: Yes. Um, and that's something that we can we can mass market. And I, I think that the closer that we hit to the goals that they're trying to teach, and listen to what the teachers and administrators need, um, and the students need to be successful, I think that's that's going to drive the success of that.
0: That's really fascinating. Now, is Oculus the main? like VR platform or are there others that are out there? Does it work with, I I don't don't know. I don't, I know about VR, but I don't know enough in that world.
1: Yeah, there's plenty of them. Uh, For us, we um, chose that particular one because the quality and also space requirements fit our needs the best. Um, And so that's why we have chosen them.
0: So if you can attribute, um, you know, I'm gonna put success in quotes because everyone, success is different for everyone, right? You may not label yourself with success right now. Who knows? Maybe you do. But let's assume you're you're successful, because I know what you're doing right now is pretty neat stuff. What would you attribute that to? Is there is there one or two things you look back over the last couple of years and say, hey, I think these are the reasons why we've got to this point?
1: Um, let's see. I do think that for some reason it, it was a good idea that I came up with. (laughs) Um, I, I thought I've had good ideas in the past, but, and I just, I've said them out loud and people, I don't know. I don't remember them ever getting past that point of, Oh, that's a good idea. And it never happened. Or maybe they were like, yeah, that's not a good idea. And they didn't listen to it. I thought it was a good idea at the time. Um, but this one I said out loud and, people were like, that's a really good idea. It's such a good idea. I don't know why nobody is doing this yet. And and we made it happen. And maybe the other part of that is my persistence. And I just got, I just have been, I feel like this is what I should be doing. It's that thing, like, you know, I should be doing this. This is something that I am capable of doing and I should do, even though I don't always know what I'm doing, I feel like I can do it. So I keep doing it until I can't do it anymore. <laughs> That makes
0: sense. Yeah, I mean, and and I want to go in. I want to kind of um, needle in here a bit because you know I think there's a lot of folks. Again, they're doing side hustles or maybe not, and maybe it's like they, whether they like their job or not, they mm-hmm. want to be. They're yearning to do something different, maybe that they're yeah. passionate about. Did you have? It's an interesting question. Like, did coming out of teaching, right, and and doing mm-hmm. that, did you have the self confidence? Like, did you think? Cause you said you had no business acumen or were you like laying in bed at night some nights, like what the hell am I doing? Like what did you, or did you believe in yourself from day one? Like, Hey, I can accomplish this again. I can go forward and make this a success.
1: Oh no, no. Um, it's like I said, it's that positive reinforcement when I continue to do it, that keeps me going. Um, if I didn't have that, I, there were times when I was like, maybe I shouldn't keep, maybe we should just, you know, scale it down or just, you know, just see, stay stay uh, stagnant and just keep it where it's at. Um, but we continue to grow because we get that positive reinforcement and people want more of it. And so that's why I believe in it. Um, people keep telling me it's such a good thing. So that's why I believe in it. Definitely not because I tell myself. <laughs> I know, it's kind of sad, isn't it? Well, <laughs> it is.
0: We all have those inner demons that we have to battle, right? Like right. making, you know, having that self confidence. So I get it. I, I, yeah. I'm in the same boat. Um, I I think you, you know you, uh, you pinned it. I think properly is that positive reinforcement. Be optim, you know, kind of being an optimist. Yeah, that things are going to go okay, even though sometimes it's like, what the, you know, what am I doing? Like this is ridiculous. Um, I think continuing yeah. to believe that, hey, this is a good idea, and people believe in it. Um, yeah, keep you going, you know.
1: And I think circling back to where we started it's, it's because I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for Mm -hmm. them. So as long as they're happy, I'm happy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point. Well, it goes back to, you mentioned at the beginning, kind of being that giver, right? Right. Is it, this is not a selfish mission, although yes, you're running the business and you're trying to grow it and you're making money off it. The reality is that you're doing it because you want to make others happy. And I think that's a, that's a valiant uh, way to look at it.
1: Right, and and if I don't have money, I can't grow the business, and more people won't be able to experience it. So yes, I need to have that on some level, and I need it to be successful. Um, but yeah, if if it was just about making money, I would have made probably a lot of different choices going along the way.
0: Talk to me a minute about uh, about mentorship. You know, you mentioned your father earlier had helped with the business. Yeah. Who else? Who else has kind of given you some advice along the way that's been meaningful to you, at least to steer you in the right direction? Anyone you can share that um, kind of might give some insight to others in the same boat?
1: Well, I have been able to get advice from real people, uh, real inspiration from places like like your podcast. It comes in interesting places. When I go through and listen to people give advice and, and, I, and I hear it and I say, that's like me. And I take it to heart. And then I hear someone else like in a true movie and someone has overcome some obstacle or changed their career. And, and then the message is, you know, keep on going with what you believe in. And I say to myself, that, that, that's absolutely right. And it reinforces the things that I believe in or the things that have been working for me or if they have a stumbling block. In a book that I'm reading, and I say, Oh, well, that's how you can overcome that. I say, Okay, well, I can use that, and my, you know, obstacle here with this sales and marketing problem. And so I feel like good advice and good strategies and good mentorship can come from anyone, anywhere. It doesn't have to be one person that you focus on and idolize. And I think that in my situation, having to just hit the ground running you're just going to take every bit of advice you can anywhere you can <laughs> so that's what I've been doing cool
0: and like any do you read it all do you like reading books or anything as well anything you'd share
1: I haven't had a lot of time lately um I, I actually still tutor students uh I still have a tutoring center that I go to and I'm helping middle school kids tutor I love to do that um but uh when i do get a chance to read i do like to read fiction but like i said my father he does want to continue to mentor me and what did he say groom me into a business leader so he has given me from time to time books on on good business management that are non-fiction so i do read those whenever i get a chance and when i get those i usually pick the chapters first. I don't usually read
0: those from front to back. All right. You skim a little bit. That's good.
1: Well, I might read the chapters, you know, when I get to them. I wouldn't say skim, not on, not on this where my father can hear it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I meant skim maybe you don't read the entire from cover to cover, but you're picking. And there's actually, there's a lot of good books out there like that, where you can read a chapter here, a chapter there, you go back and refer to them, you know, in in kind of moments of need, if you will. Um,
1: I saw that on your one mic with with uh, you had the one book about uh, sales and marketing techniques uh, mentioned, and I was going to read that one next.
0: Yeah, there, I mean, there's so many. <laughs> well, God, we yeah, we can do a whole thing on sales and marketing. Yeah. that's a, that's, a, that's another that's podcast. Another uh,
1: but that's that's one I want to read next. Yeah.
0: Um, talk to me about what's coming next. You mentioned the development, right, and, and some of that custom stuff. What about some different? Are there programs? If I remember when we chatted before, are you guys doing like stuff with Minecraft and some others? Is that did I hear that right? Are those currently available?
1: Yeah, Minecraft is currently available. The students can build in VR, and there's lots of educational lessons you can do with Minecraft. Um, and then also you can code with Minecraft, which is really cool. And um, they're trying to get you know younger and younger kids to start. Coding and so they can code at school or code with us because we have run on PCs. We don't run on you know devices that don't have PCs. So the kids just come into our lab and and we can teach them or they can use our lab as an extra facility. They don't need extra room inside their their building. Um, and so there's that. Um, as far as um, other types of things that they can do, we are working on um, careers, like sitting down people like yourself and talking about, Hey, what's a podcaster do? You know, uh, how do you organize that? Or, um, you know, being, um, you know, someone who is in the business field, you know, how, like, how do you, how do you, um, train to be one? What kind of education do you need? And we're going to, um, film those in VR, and that way we can put those together so students can pick the ones they're interested in and then feel like they're sitting down with somebody who's interesting, who can get them excited about different careers that they may already be interested in, or maybe one they're not interested in that they didn't even realize could be interesting. Um, so that could be really cool. And then um, another thing we're doing custom development-wise is going to the Carolina Tiger Rescue. We are gonna film that in the spring when it's nice and green They told us they didn't want us to come when it was wet and muddy. And we're going to film those tigers and other cats that they have so that more students can have access to that without having to go there. Um, And that fits so many different levels of the curriculum because you have conservation, biology, veterinary science. Um, You have kids who make trips to zoos, and they talk about just different animals and traits and what they eat. And they can have it right in VR without any dangers or worries. Not that there's any danger of going there, but, you know, people have ideas about things and also there's transportation and cost. but with the learning lab, it's $5 a kid or less to go.
0: That's really neat. Can you actually, in Minecraft, can you like have the VR on and then build? Like Yeah.
1: Yeah. You could build a house or like a glass house and you could be inside of it. You walk around inside of it. And then you can, um, like uh, spawn a bunch of parrots and have like them flying all around you or you can um fly you just fly over top and that's a geography lesson I had kids do a geography scavenger hunt where they had to locate all these different landforms because there's seas there's um, islands there's caves there's forests um so there's a desert biome and they can find all kinds of desert ones it's really cool Yeah. It's yeah, really inspirational, yeah.
0: That's pretty deep. well. I know my son, like he's, I think he's been on Minecraft probably like three, four years now. I, I would, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if you'd call him an expert, but it's like the stuff he does on there, I'm like, how the heck did you learn how to yeah. do all this? This is amazing.
1: How
0: old is he? Uh, Seven and a half.
1: Seven. So he could do like basic shapes with it. Um, and you can have him build the shapes, like just basically 2D and 3D shapes he can build. In there and I've had the kids build them with with um TNT and then if they get it right they can light it and it <laughs> blows up it's really fun and then a little bit older than that they can also do perimeter and area um, because they're all cubic units this is like nothing but cubes um they do base ten blocks with manipulatives they can like figure out with um you know hundreds and tens and ones with cubic units in there it's really that's, fun. That's pretty interesting.
0: That's pretty cool. I'm excited for some of the stuff y'all doing. And I, and I actually like that. The point you mentioned about, I was thinking, I can't remember who I was talking about this a while, but but I, I always remember back in high school, it was like with guidance counselors. I'm like, no offense, the guidance counselors, but like, I didn't know what to ask for or what to do. And I, I was yeah. thinking there's got to be something out there where you can like talk to people and have it. So that's pretty neat that you guys are actually doing some of that. Yeah. and sharing um, those stories. I think that's I, a great avenue.
1: I noticed on the county level websites, most of them have on their um, websites, oh, 50 kids got to take a trip over to you know, Duke Energy or the Harris Nuclear Plant and got to talk with uh, engineers and see all this cool stuff. And I thought, all you have to do is take a 360 camera, film that, and then share it with the rest of the county. And then everybody at least can see what they talked about. Yeah. It's not just 50 kids out of the whole county.
0: <laughs> like well, and, and the whole thing of like how many are actually interested in being an engineer would be. Had, if he had a hundred different careers, how nice would that be to pick through and, and people can exactly. watch a few of them. You know, what, what they actually, Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I like that. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, where can everyone find you all online?
1: That would be at learninglab360.com. And you can email me at rebecca at learninglab360.com. Real easy. And we are also on Twitter. We have great Twitter announcements on there and um, feedback. Like I said, people just say cool things about us. And um, I would love to hear from you, ideas that you could share with me, Um, or you wanna book us and have us come to your school or event, it could be anywhere. We'll go anywhere. You will go to your family reunion. We have an awesome party. We have a bubble machine. It's actually foggy bubbles it's really cool but no it's an educational event it's not just you know like coming in it's like it's like fun and educational like we we feel the best parties but um yeah we're all about educational and fun and that's why the kids remember and love us
0: that's pretty cool Um, all right so i'd like to end on this you know i listen a lot of podcasts just like you know you mentioned you do i'm always taking different notes and little things now i know we've talked a lot about kind of the journey and some of the stuff you're doing but If there's a, I don't know if there's a quote you live by maybe, or maybe it's like a really solid piece of business advice that was helpful or something you learned through experience that you would share with the audience. You know, maybe something that's, you know, they could take with them tomorrow and start doing with their own journey. Anything you'd share that's been helpful for you, or maybe it's inspirational you want to share, whatever.
1: There's something that I really like and I, I don't have it exact, but when I interviewed Rick Riordan, um, I really like that he said, because he was a teacher, he started out as a teacher, and when he wrote the book, The Lightning Thief, and it got published, it got picked up, and and he had to leave the classroom, he said, I'm still a teacher, it's just my classroom is bigger now, and I feel like that's the same for me, I feel like I'm still teaching, I'm just teaching with a bigger classroom, even though it's a small trailer, I take it everywhere, and I get to influence schools across the entire state, and even bigger than that now, And so that just means so much to me. I I feel like I'm making a difference and I used to feel like I made a difference now. And it's Mm -hmm. such a bigger difference than I even was before. It's like you said, like, can you define, am I successful or not? Even if I had to stop tomorrow? Yeah. I feel like I've already been a success and, uh, and I hope to continue just doing the right thing for these kids.
0: This has been awesome. That was great. I uh, I appreciate you being on the podcast. This was fun. Uh, Thank you. Glad, so uh, glad you were too. able to join.
1: I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much.
0: Well, I hope you all enjoyed that interview with Rebecca. Appreciate her coming on, sharing her journey. And I just love what she's doing with the VR and really exposing kids, more curiosity and learning uh, with that avenue. So there's one takeaway I wanted to share um, that I got from this episode. There, there's a few different ones, but the one I really wanted to hone in on was If she mentions, I'm not doing it for me, I'm doing it for them. And I think that's such a tremendous view on business is that when you're looking at your end consumer, whoever that is, uh, but that, that end customer, that end consumer, and making it about them and the business decisions you make are to make them better. And to make their lives better or they have more enjoyment versus you know what some businesses do is always looking at the dollars and how do we add and and trim a few wasted dollars or add a little bit more of the profit line. Not that you're not in business to make money, that's understandable. But if you lose focus of the actual consumer and what they want and really what's going to make them succeed at whatever they're doing, I think ultimately that's where businesses get in a lot of trouble. So I appreciate. Uh, Rebecca sharing that because that's how I look at it with the variety of things that I'm trying to do is like you got to have that focus and that that really clear vision that belief system that the end consumer whoever you're trying to help is getting value out of it and the only way to do that is to put them first in the process and to think with that mindset versus again the other way of of going down the rabbit hole of hey I'm just going to try to make as much money as possible and You know, who knows what happens? You know, if if they buy, they buy. If not, they don't buy. There'll be more people. And that mentality, I think, drives a lot of businesses out. So again, I appreciate Rebecca being on. I love the journey she's going on. I love what they're doing. Um, If you guys are obviously are in, obviously, the North Carolina area, that's convenient for her driving, but probably other places as well, uh, go check them out, learninglab360.com. And again, if you guys want to connect with me further, my website, Brianondraco.com or Instagram and Twitter, at BrianAndreico. I hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.